you can't just give a pill to solve all the world's problems with health. We have to understand why the body was off to begin with. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your seasonal Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined today, as always, by Dave, the testosterone king, Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> That's my favorite nickname you've given me <laughs> I'm of, sure out of is. all 356 or whatever. I know. I know. I'm sure done. it is. I'm sure it is. But we also have a special guest today, the co-host to the Hormone Genius podcast, as well as the Hormone Genius mini course. We have Teresa Kenny here today. She is a women's health nurse practitioner. She's at the Sancta Familia Medical Center out in Omaha, Nebraska. How are you doing today, Teresa? I'm so good. I'm so glad I'm here. And I think it's funny that you're the testosterone king. How appropriate for the Hormone Genius to be on. Yep. I know. Yep. I know. Uh, yep. So the Hormone Genius podcast, for those of you who don't know, you have over 105 episodes. This is a great tagline. Dave, we need to come up with a tagline like this. I, we, yeah. Empowering women to become the genius of their hormones and the proud owner of their feminine design. That that, is, that's a, that's an is. epic statement because not only is it like super like, ooh, empowering, beautiful, but it's it's kind of like uh, countercultural now, which is funny to think of encouraging women to empower the feminine design is now countercultural. I know. I know. <laughs> this is the world we live in. Thank you so much for joining us. So how did you get involved in especially uh, women's health care and your role that you, that you serve? Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, went into nursing school, I really think I can blame my life in a sense on my three mothers. So I just talk about my love for my mother who just guided me in morality and my faith. And she also took me to Planned Parenthoods to pray when I was very young. So I had this early understanding of abortion, of being pro-life, of what that meant, how women are hurt, how babies died. And then when I went into nursing, I learned about Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa was my call to like really lay down my life in service and healthcare. And so read a lot of her stuff. And then lastly, when I was 16, my mom, again, through influence and the Holy Spirit, sent me on an airplane to Medjugorje, Yugoslavia. At 16, by myself, I was in a foreign country, you know, Good laying luck. down. Yeah. <laughs> it might a, be a little war-torn. Ignore the bullet hole. It was literally, so this was 1990. It was literally before, wow. the, like six months before the war broke out. And Dubrov, oh, you know, I'd wow. been in Dubrovnik and then it was destroyed after that. So, wow. yeah, so it was it was crazy. But at that point, there was a woman there with her husband, beautiful couple, sixth child they were pregnant with. She was very pregnant. And I remember in a prayer group, her saying to me, Teresa, I think you're going to have a real effect on people and especially young people. And I felt this real kind of like, you know, how I don't know when you're Catholic is kind of like my mom used to say, the more we know, the more we're responsible for. And yeah. I was like, crap, I got to do something. You know, so I came back and yeah. uh, a couple of years later, I took an entire group of high school girls. I went to a Catholic all girls high school in Omaha, Marion. And uh, we all went to CJP2 at Cherry Creek in Denver. Wow, that's so awesome. So pivotal moments that's in awesome. my life, right? And we all have yeah. these. But when I went on to Women's Health Nurse Practitioner School, honestly, I had this advisor in nursing school who said, Teresa, bad idea. You know, she knew how pro-life I was and my faith was so important. She's like, this is probably the wrong profession you, you should get into. But yeah. being kind of ignorant, I was like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Like women's health. Like, doesn't there need to be somebody who's really good at being the Catholic woman's health nurse practitioner? And 
So I just went on, went to the University of Nebraska Medical Center, and that led me to Dr. Hilgers in Omaha, who started the Pope Paul VI Institute, now the St. Paul VI Institute, and this whole way of approaching women's health, which fits our truth, our human dignity, and it allowed me in a freedom to reach women in a way that I never believed that was possible. So here I am today. I worked for Dr. Hilders for 20 years and I'm now awesome. working, you know, at a new clinic called Sancta Familia Medical and growing my practice. And then I started a few years ago, uh, my own podcast, The Hormone Genius. Yeah, that is awesome. So yeah. for those in the audience who don't know, can you explain to us a little bit about NAPRO technology and and all the, the good work of the Paul VI Center and, and the work of Dr. Hilgers. And yeah, so NAPRO technology is this kind of weird word in a sense. Like you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> but it's really broken up. It's, it stands for natural procreative technology. So I think through the wisdom of Pope Paul VI, you know, in Humana Vitae, what Pope Paul VI called us to is, is scientists need to bring, you know, medicine basically to the level that it should be, right? You know, we need to really understand the human body and the way that God designed it. And so Dr. Hilgers took that call, you know, that was his passion, is that yeah. I need to figure out how to help women without using these suppressive chemicals, without forcing couples into relationships and marriage that were contraceptive. And so he developed something called the Creighton model system, which is a charting system, a standardized method of natural family planning. And that led him as an OBGYN to realize that our bodies speak something. Our, you know, we have a language. We know the theology of the body teaches us the language of our body. But really in medicine, our bodies speak a language through this chart that women had. And he realized that he could find diagnoses. He could he could learn something about their body in a way that allowed him to treat them in a restorative, cooperative way. So really, the deepest part of NAPRA technology is just that we restore the woman's body cooperatively and we look for root cause. And we let the woman stay in her feminine design and allow her hormones to continue to work the way God designed it. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the theology of the body. And when I was a high school youth minister, I used to teach it all the time, right? Especially for these hormonal high school youths. The funny thing that kind of started from there, flowed from that, was a lot of 16, 17, 18-year-old girls started following NFP methods. They would talk with their moms. Their moms, most of them came from really good families, so they weren't using contraception or anything like that. And they were sick and tired as, you know, 14-year-old girls till whenever they started doing this, being told by their OBGYN, you need to get on the pill, you need to get on the pill, you need to get on the pill. And they're like, I'm not sexually active. One, one lady, she told me the story that when she told her doctor in college, when she started going to college, she went to an OB and she said, I'm not sexually active. And the lady pulled her chair right up to her and held her hand and just started crying. And she's like, you're the first person I've met in the last, like, eight years who is not sexually active and she's like you're going to avoid so much heartache and so much physical pain the fascinating thing is they were all charting right they all have their little nap charts which is which is an awkward conversation for a single male youth, youth minister. minister to have but they walked in and uh, you know same thing for my wife they showed the chart to someone who's trained in it and they're like oh this looks like pcos oh this looks like maybe endometriosis and they can look at the irregularities they can look at the signs and all of a sudden they're treating conditions and not giving them a pill that masks the side effects of whatever condition they're going through 
And my buddy that me and Dave went to school with, Dr. Adam, he said when he was going through the OBGYN stuff of his general practitioner training, it was all just every answer to every women's problem was put them on the pill, put them on the pill, put them on the pill. And he's a really like in your face kind of guy. So he raises his hand. He's like, seems to me like you don't actually care or respect women at all. You just want them. And then it was a woman who was the professor and she just launched into him. Yeah. So why are things so crazy when it comes to women's healthcare that we're not actually helping women and their bodies we are just treating symptoms with contraceptives like what is happening well yeah i asked the exact same question when i was in nurse practitioner school it was a conundrum to me i was like i don't get it like i thought you know (laughs) i thought birth control was for birth control and i and all of a sudden it is the primary treatment for every single woman's health disorder we talked about and when i would raise my hand and be like hey like what if you got you know, a 15 year old and, you know, they don't want to be in birth control. Their parents don't want it. What do we do? Well, there was never an answer. There was never an alternative. There was like, that is just what we do that. And if you think about it, birth control has only been around for, I mean, 55 years. How did it so quickly become the panacea of treatment for everything? And I think it comes down to that feminism really took a turn in a sense, you know, everything starts with a good, you know, women wanted equality and to be respected. And there was goods in feminism. But when men kind of came in, or let's say the devil with men, you know, what happened was, is that really, if you think about it, what does birth control serve? What does this all serve? It serves the ability of women to be used, to be used for their parts, not their whole. And we, I think, we just let that happen as women. And, it, and a true feminism really calls that out and says, hey, guys, like we don't even know what the long term effects of putting a 13 year old in birth control for 15 years. I see it every day in my practice. Yeah. Here's a, a question I'm dying to ask you is I used to do sidewalk counseling. Right. And every single woman I ever met that I had a conversation with, they were on the pill and they were still there for an abortion. OK. And then like I had friends who did like in vitro and stuff like that and really struggled. And then my sister and brother-in-law struggled and they met with Dr. Hilders one time and just immediately got pregnant just from looking at the charts and everything. They got pregnant by looking at charts? Well, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, 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 I got you, I got you. But, but, it, but it seems like statistically speaking, it is massively more effective. And I wonder, is that backed up by statistics? Like, is that, it seems looking in yeah. that that's the you know, case. It is. If you, I mean, Dr. Hilders has this huge textbook. It probably weighs like 50 pounds itself. You could use it as a weightlifting tool, basically. Ooh, Dave. And, and it has, <laughs> yeah, it has tons of data of what all the work that he did to show that, you know, the way that we approach this type of women's health care, it's 60% effective to 80% effective at helping couples with infertility depending on what the condition is. So that's, you know, at least three times and maybe more than in vitro fertilization. And I mean, it kind of goes to everything in medicine, right? If we go back to what preventative medicine is, it's always like, what's wrong with the body? How do I get back to that root of the problem? Many of these things can be uh, helped by people doing the right thing in their lives too. So, uh, you know, you can't just give a pill to help a diabetic get better. You can't just give a pill to solve all the world's problems with health. We have to understand why the body was off to begin with and charting is the first step for a woman to really herself own her body this is this has been my frustration always even with learning about theology of the body which was for me like someone took my glasses off and wiped off all the fog and i was like oh my gosh 
Like the clarity of seeing the world through the lens of JP2 was incredible. Except when people would teach it and when I'd hear it being taught, I feel like I always felt there was this missing part of connecting us to our bodies literally. And this Mm. is why I think, you know, learning about our hormone genius is a way to bring people into truth because it integrates people into their actual biological reality of being a procreative person. It's easier, of course, for women to do this because they have this cyclic thing that goes on, this main event of every month, you know, being procreative in a short amount of time. And we can actually chart that. But if we don't integrate women into that, they have no concept of why being on the pill doesn't make sense because they're, they have no integration into their biological reality. Mm. It's the first place we really need to start, you know, and that's why I, I don't talk about theology of the body on my podcast or go in even into religion. I know you guys understand evangelization is first teaching a truth that just it relates to all of us. And women really don't want to be on the pill because it makes them feel like crap. You know, I, I love this. And I think it's a super, especially at this moment in history, a super powerful way to evangelize. Like my wife and I lived in Burlington, Vermont one year, and it was, you know, that's like the hippie capital of the world. And, and the um, coat factory capital. of yeah, the world. Right. And we had one, our first child there and then moved away and moved to like places where there were other Catholic doctors. And it's amazing because Amber always felt like she was treated in the most Catholic way in Burlington. And these were like, I mean, the doctors were like professed pagans, right? Like, but they were like supernatural, all holistic, all that kind of thing, right? And then would move other places where it was more conventional, and it was like it you you feel like cattle then, you know. But I think that yeah. this is a moment right now that even secular people, like I follow all kinds of carnivores and like stuff like that, and they all talk about the pill now. They yep. they all talk about. This how is bad our it is and how women have to get off of it. And it totally so. is. I don't. I mean, I listen to. I don't know if you listen to Mind Pump. The mind pump guys. Yeah, totally. Sal, yeah. I love mind pump. So, yeah. I mean, they're totally on it. And Sal is Catholic, yeah. you know, so I'm pretty sure he yeah. is. At is least. that why they keep having Bishop Barron on yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do not listen to the early episodes. Do not think it's a Catholic podcast. But even Joe early. Rogan, yeah. I mean, yeah. I had a, one yeah. of my right. sons right. who's a senior in high school. He was listening to Joe Rogan. And he's like, Mom, this is all up your alley. He was talking about endocrine system disruptors and the water. And he really wants us to filter our water now. So, we can reach people. By by what they're seeing, yes, in social media, is that these unnatural things being put in our body is not a good, right? And so then how do we help them to marry that with the truth of their body? And all of us, the way we are designed, we should treat our bodies like a temple, like a cathedral. There is what I call an enlightenment going on in young women. My 35-year-old to 40-some patients, they never got this information my 18 to 20 some year old young women they understand it a little bit better because it's all over social media track your cycle seed cycling castor oil packs you know all of these things that girls want to do to like help their menstrual cycles be better and they're like i want to be i want to be doing that i want to be doing the natural thing so it is a place you're right where we can start to have this conversation there's a famous youtube podcast channel called modern wisdom with uh, Chris uh, Williamson. He used to be a male model on the cover of romance magazines. And he interviewed a woman named Dr. Sarah Hill. It's episode 555, 555. And she has a book called This Is Your Brain on Birth Control. And she goes through the effects of birth control on relationships. And and it's a really even even to sexual orientation that you find that more women longer they are on birth control 
the more they trend towards bisexuality. Yeah. Like right. people don't even, and this is not someone who's, who's like coming at you with, you know, JP two. And, yeah. you know, th- that's the thing is like sexuality today is such a, obviously it's a, it's always been a contentious thing, but in our culture today, every stance you make morally on sexual matters, whether you're talking, you know, it is a political statement as well. So it, yeah. you know, all the sciences politicize all this stuff. And just saying like, okay, well, tell me the effects to my body, my emotions, my mental state, my relationships. When I flood my body with chemical contraceptive, you know, these hormones for decades and then one day decide, well, okay, now I'm married and I'm 32 and I want to get pregnant. Like, what does that do? And they won't even discuss this stuff. It is it is wild. Why haven't more Catholic doctors, I, I don't know, like seize the day on this and stop yeah. treating people. Like, like Dave was saying, like our, our first doctor was a Protestant or he wasn't a Christian. I mean, maybe he was Dr. Love. He was our first OBGYN, but he was NAPRO technology certified and greatest doctor to work with PCOS. Right. And, and to help us through all that and, and all the drama that kind of got involved in that. Then our second doctor was like a Catholic doctor, but had no concept of this stuff. Honestly, it was, it was almost brutal having to deal with him because the answer was like you just got so sick and tired of the answer always being the same thing. And then thank God we're blessed with the Caritas Women's Center here, right. which all three doctors were trained up there in Omaha. So yeah. yeah, what 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 is going on? What is going on? Why and also they're not paying attention to hormones at all. And that's your thing. Yeah. Why why aren't we paying attention to hormones? Yeah, I mean hormones are everything. Hormones are life. I, I mean, I have a shirt I wear around it says hormones are cool. It actually, oh, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Mr. Testosterone himself would love my that. husband yeah. actually designed it for me. When I first started the podcast with my co-host, Jamie Arachi, he's like, I'm going to design you a t-shirt. And he came up with this hormones are cool. And yeah, we'll wear it out. <laughs> he says it's a conversation starter, right? Well, why yeah, are hormones totally. cool? Because they really are everything They're, You know, we care about relationships. And we were made for relationship. And that's what hormones allow us to do. It allows us to be in relationship with other people. But they're vital for everything that works in our body, our metabolism, our heart, our bones. Everything is regulated by hormones. We should care about hormones. And this is why it's so frustrating that women are kind of enslaved to these, you know, synthetic hormones. I was listening to uh, Good Morning America, and they have their token OBGYN come on and talk about things related to one's health. And, and she was trying to explain all the myths around birth control. And she was like, you know, you know, these birth control pills, they contain the same hormones that your body makes. And I wanted to scream at at my computer. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like they're an artificial, they're not the same. There are these hormones with synthetic properties that do very different things than our natural hormones. And you're telling women that it's just okay for them to shut down the vital and very important hormones that their bodies naturally create. Because when you're on birth control, literally like you stop making estrogen and progesterone. And it's these hormones like estrogen, I always call it like the St. Joan of Arc hormone. It is like the put your stake in the ground hormone for women. We process verbally at a way higher rate than men process when our estrogen levels are high. And we can really create change in the world and we can do all sorts of amazing things. But we can't. We don't get those hormones, you know. So we have these hormone superpowers, we call them. When women are on birth control, they don't understand that they've lost that. But I guess I didn't really answer your question, Gomer, about the doctors. <laughs> Going back to that, I mean, it's not their fault is my, 
you know, it's really not their fault. They just don't get trained. And then here's the thing. And my co-host Jamie always says this, they're in a power frame and the power mm. frame, yeah, it, it, it says to them that, you know, everything, right? I went to medical school and my patient doesn't know. And so they have a power frame and most of them feel comfortable in the power frame. So if you come in there and you say, hey, well, I've heard maybe that there's alternatives or I've heard that birth control could be bad. They're uncomfortable because you've upset their power frame and that can, you know, come back at you in defensiveness or making you feel stupid. You know, well, that's just not true. You know, I don't feel like I have a power frame in healthcare because I feel like there's a partnership in healthcare. Yeah. If you have a doctor that's open when they learn this stuff, you know, just like all the doctors that have come through Pope Paul the Six and many other training programs, like we have a great one called Facts that Dr. Marguerite Duane started. You know, these doctors, they want to know this because they realize this is just science. This is the woman's body. We should understand it. And women deserve options, right? We deserve diversity in healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. Not the standard factory system that we're being subjected to right now. So in our case, when my wife started going to that second doctor, she had to take all of her hormones and blood work under, you know, to be fully her responsibility because her doctor would never order it. So she would go and log into Quest Diagnostics and be like, I need this blood test and this blood test. And we had to pay for it out of pocket because it wasn't ordered by a physician. So she goes out there and my wife, a chronically low progesterone. And, you know, that can cause you to lose the baby. And so always, so she would just show up the first day in this doctor's office with the blood test results, you know, with all the tests and just show up and be like, please write me a prescription for progesterone, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. And well, no, we got to get a blood. Nope. Here's the blood. Here's the thing. Look at this. Why? I mean, <laughs> to me, it just drives me insane. Yeah. What, what else for women's health overall? Do hormones, what role do women's hormones play? Especially like, I don't think people realize the role of even testosterone for women because you think of it as, oh, that's the male hormone, but it's not. It's also present in women. So the role of like estrogen, estrogen dominance, things like that. Can we talk a little bit about that? Get a little nerdy yeah. here? Because I hear hormones are cool. That's just what I heard. <laughs> they are. Well, yeah, let's start with the testosterone thing because you're right. Like it's often a question I'll ask to high school kids, you know, do women make testosterone like men? You know, and everybody's looking at them like, ah, uh, that just sounds like it shouldn't, women shouldn't make testosterone, right? Uh, and actually, testosterone- <laughs> not until they change those laws. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And so women, testosterone is actually the most abundant hormone in the woman's body that she'll create. Mm. Uh, in comparison to a man's amount of testosterone, it's still quite a bit lower, but it is still the yeah. most abundant hormone. And testosterone is what gives us energy, motivation, it helps our brain work, and it obviously allows for muscle mass production, super important hormone. And what people, I think, don't realize is that when they have high libido, you know, sex drive, testosterone is really the player there. And estrogen kind of helps testosterone increase when we ovulate. So when we ovulate, our estrogen levels go high, and I already talked about how awesome estrogen is, it literally makes women feel more attractive and they literally also kind of have a pheromone, a scent almost that comes off of them to make men be attracted to them. So, you know, there's these studies that they did in bars where they, you know, tried to see like who men would be attracted to and yeah. whether it would be women on birth control or women are not on birth control. 
And they certainly found that women on birth control, men were less attracted to. And this is the chemical dance, we like to say, between men and women that allows our human species to continue, right? But women themselves literally feel more attractive when they ovulate. And we know this. If you're married, you know, couples, like, they get this. And we've done lots of, you know, podcasts on this that there's just something that happens. Women start realizing their husbands don't look so bad and you know they're they don't care they don't care about the d- dishes in the sink that night like they're there's just something that's different and michael bolton music is playing in the background <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's so fun i love the i love the test that you hear about when you're in this space right reading about because you know as a catholic i have to do apologetic stuff about contraception whenever i do marriage prep and all that and it's so funny where you're like So these researchers, they had them look at pictures of women on computer screens and then smell an item of clothing of a woman that she wore while she was ovulating and then look at the same pictures and rate them one to ten on attractiveness. And all the men rated after just smelling, which so I advocate just going around and asking women if they're ovulating and then just smelling them on the streets. No, um, that's so awkward. Um, But no, like that, that the power it's not one thing. See, that's the thing that drives me absolutely insane. There's systems of things that are all working together and cooperating to produce this, like you said, this chemical dance that we call relationships. It's not just, and when we come in with our fancy science that only knows, you know, one one hundredth of what we need to know, but we have this power. I feel like I'm Jeff Goldblum's character in uh, Jurassic Park, right? And now we're selling it. We're selling it, right? We come in with this power that we don't even understand what we're undoing when we just inject women tell your body trick your body into thinking you're already pregnant so you're not gonna get pregnant when you have you know think of yourself as this is what dr uh abigail favale's comment was that using chemical contraception day in and day out makes you feel like your body is a non-fertile thing right right so then when women forget to take their birth they forget because they don't think of themselves with this notion of, oh, I'm going to go to a bar and hook up with a dude tonight in order to feel, you know, something pleasurable, feel good about myself, whatever. I might get pregnant. That's gone for right. so many women. They don't even think about those I things. I had a, a patient one time. She was in her 30s and she'd been on birth control for really painful periods for like 10, 15 years. And when she came off of it, she was in my office and she said, for the first time in my life, I feel like I have a maternal instinct. She never thought of having children. Wow. That is, awesome. it, you know, she wow. never thought she just didn't. She just looked at babies and like she didn't feel that thing. And when she mm-hmm. came off of the pill, she said, for the first time, I know now what a maternal instinct is, which just it, it made my heart like so sad because I thought yeah. how many young women are walking around and, you know, we're telling them all like girl empowerment, like be what you want to be. And, yeah, girl you boss. know, and and they're they're not even thinking of motherhood because they're on the pill yeah. and they don't realize like the great gift of our procreative powers, you know, yeah. it's very sad. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I was just watching a documentary on the population bomb that's coming of, of the lack of yeah. replacement and stuff. And they said, so they go all over the world trying to find out why in the seventies did Japan, Germany, and Italy started losing birth rates, like, you know, off a cliff kind of drop. And now Korea and all these places, basically all the Western nations now, and some people say, oh, well, it's contraception. It's like, well, contraception wasn't made legal in Japan until the 1990s. And so it's like, it's not exactly the same thing. So they begin looking at all these different things. And one of the major things they found was it wasn't that overall birth rates in general were low. It was the number of people who had zero kids 
skyrocketed. So what, right. what I mean by that, I kind of said that wrong, but what I mean by that is people with one kid, two kids, and three and four more, those roughly have stayed the same. But the number of people having zero children has skyrocketed. And they say, so why? The basic simple reason is because economic issues in each of these different cultures at different times cause people to freak out and double down on economic security. So women don't even start a family until they're 30 or 35. And then after that, you know, that later in life, it becomes so much harder to get pregnant. Then on top of that, you add chemical contraception for two decades, you know, or almost two decades. And then it's like, well, yeah. So you're telling women that the sole thing that will make you happy is establishing yourself in the world. And then you have chemical contraception that suppresses for some women, their maternal instincts, their desire, you know, their libidos, all of these things. And family almost becomes an abhorrent, you know, becomes a fear, right, of even coming close to that. And then when they actually want one, it's like, I'm sorry, but the ship has sailed. And it's a devastating thing. I have so many friends that got married late in life, and they just, they're, they're childless, and they're, and they're heartbroken. Here's a question for you, Teresa. So, I mean, I feel like Hilger's kind of like, for, for our crowd, he's like a household name. Napro is a household thing. Yeah. But it, that's really not the case for most probably even most of our listeners. And so I guess my, what I'm thinking is like, you have a 12 year old daughter, right? And, and, and you don't have someone like you or Sancta Familia or something like that in your area. What are you looking out for? What are you making sure she knows? What are you making sure that gets done? What is she learning? That yeah. Kind of well, I, it's a, it's a great question. And I think a lot of you know, at least good Catholic people, you know, I think they're concerned when they take their children to the doctor, even when they get to those ages where, you know, are they going to be talking about sex? You know, are the doctors going to be asking my yep. kid without, you know, me being in there about sex and then, yeah. you know, asking them if they want to be put on birth control? And frankly, I mean, you know, the FDA is about to probably approve or has approved the birth control that will be over the counter. It's a progestin only birth control for girls as young as 12 years of age, which they could literally walk up to the pharmacy counter and Oof. be able to pick up. You know, it, it is it is frightening. You know, this is one of the reasons why I was able to write a book in the last year called The Happy Girl's Guide to Being Whole, which is meant for young women. Good. Because what in the book, what I try to do is give them just a huge foundation. It'd be like coffee talk with your 15-year-old girl. Like what everything that I want them to know that I didn't get to know that will help set them up for positivity around their feminine design, but also the ability to be proactive in their own health. And it has case studies in it all through the book. So for example, you know, a girl presents to me and she's been really tired for the last like six months, her hair is falling out, she's depressed and she's gained some weight and she's looking at me and I'm thinking, wow, you know, you might have a hormonal imbalance, right? Her periods are really heavy. And we end up finding out she has hypothyroidism and I explain what the treatment is for that. Or a girl presents to me and she has irregular cycles and she's gained some weight and she's got some acne. I diagnose her with polycystic ovarian syndrome. But what does it look like to approach that girl in a holistic way? Which means that I'm not going to put her on birth control. I'm going to actually treat her underlying root problem to the best of my ability to restore her body to natural cycles, which we can do. In fact, birth control is kind of a terrible option for polycystic ovarian syndrome because one of the main reasons yep. or one of the main problems that they have is insulin resistance in that condition. And birth control doubles down on insulin resistance and it increases inflammation. So it's really not even a good treatment. 
but that's one of my, Gosh. you know, unfortunately we see the, the no. polycystic ovarian syndrome uh, patients so frequently right now and probably due to endocrine yep. system disruptors in the environment, I think it's increasing, but it's one of my favorite conditions to treat because I really believe like it's so easy to treat holistically. Like that is one we can do mm. over and over again and, and leave a woman in her own, her own body. But you're right. People, you know, I, I was at seek last year. I'm sure you guys are familiar with seek. Obviously I'll be there this year with a sense. I will press. be there too. I'm going back. Yeah. And the reason why oh, you know, nice. I'm going to be there is we gave away 250 of the happy girls guide to these girls. And I can't even tell you if you would have seen, uh, I was with the Vitae foundation, um, great organization. And we had hundreds yeah. of girls in front of our booth. And we did these little, you know, little, kind of like Ted talks where I talk about something related to women's health and then we would give away like 30 books at a time. And these girls' hands were up and it was like, you know, it was like the coolest thing. And we're just handing these books out to these girls. And I had one woman come up to me, a young college girl, afterwards all by herself. And she was looking at me and like words weren't coming out. And I was like, hey, like, you know, I'm so glad you're here. Did I like spoke for her. And she finally got out where she's yeah. like, your book changed my life. And I was like. Oh, I'm like, that's so great. But she couldn't get out anything else. Tears were coming out of her eyes. Oh, oh. I said, well, let's take a selfie, <laughs> you know, and, and she went on her way. <laughs> nice. But when I can't doubt. tell you how many women will read this book and realize, like, they, they didn't know who they were. Like, their identity wasn't right. revealed to them as a woman. And this is why I'm so passionate about women understanding this part of their body, this, this feminine design, this fertility awareness however you want to call it, because it is their identity. The truth of who they are is made as a daughter of God is in there. And when we help them to find health, wholeness in their body and health in their body and goodness in that, then that changes the course of their life forever. And I, and I really believe, and that's why I'm back at Seek, that every single girl I talk to who's on the pill, which believe me, this a huge group of Catholic people, right? 17,000 college kids, right many, many, probably more than you guys would expect are on birth control, not because they're using it for birth control, but because a doctor had put them on it for a woman's health condition. This is where we can make the greatest change when we tell them, hey, I got an alternative for you. We got NAPRO technology. We yeah. got people all over the country wanting to do this and wanting to serve your body in a holistic way. We just got to get you to that person. I just bought the book on Amazon while you were <laughs> Me talking. Too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You did too, Dave. That's awesome. I, did. I totally did. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I'm. Well, see, this is the thing. Is like, I have, I my first two kids were girls, and I'm, I come from an all boy family, and I'm as manly as they come. Yeah, I mean, this is reality. And no, I, I was terrified. Like, oh my gosh, what do I need to do? I, I don't even know how to understand this stuff. But it was so funny because you know all of my years doing reading love and responsibility and theology of the body and then everything around it, you know, Janet Smith's contraception, why not? And then her follow up book. And then all these books on human sexuality and all these books on Catholic morality and defense. Like I take it obviously from the philosophy and theology side of things, but they've exposed me to these, to the truths of the faith and these conversations. And then obviously with my own wife and our NFP journey, and you are forced to communicate with your spouse about love, sex, babies, you know, all of the romance, all of the things, right? You were forced to. It's not, it doesn't become her burden to bear alone. It becomes the shared responsibility, which it should be, right? But the interesting thing is like, 
how it has opened me up to this world where usually uh, in the past, if I'd hear the word period, I'd be like, ew, that's gross. And now it's like, let's talk, you know, (laughs) so that my my own girls feel comfortable talking to me about this stuff. You know, we have to get past this squeamishness about it, especially for us men. But it's so like once you get into it, the amazing reality of the human body and all of its interconnected systems just it is it is such a beautiful design when things are working well and when things aren't we need to be attentive to those signs and i just feel like we're not we're not yeah dave why don't you throw us out to a a quick commercial break and we'll come right back yeah this has been an awesome conversation and we know ascension press will have something great for us during this break as always if you have any questions about evangelization or if you just want to share a glory story we love to hear those too Email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com. We'll be right back. Did you know that your personal style can aid in understanding your worth? My name is Lillian Fallon, and I am the author of Theology of Style, Expressing the Unique and Unrepeatable You. And in this book, I dive into this very topic where we discuss how personal style is something that can actually help you grow in understanding in your worth and how you're made in the image of God. You can buy my book at ascensionpress.com forward slash Theology of Style. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. Right when we take a commercial break, insanity (laughs) ensues. Uh, (laughs) So we are back with Teresa Kenny. She is the host of the Hormone Genius Podcast. She is at the Sancta Familia Medical Center. She is helping women's healthcare, helping women understand. What did you say? Their their true hormonal self? The real hormonal you. The real hormonal you. Man. Nice. That's an that's another T-shirt. That's a yeah. coffee mug right there. That sounds terrifying for if you take really? it in the wrong context. Yeah, and in a Catholic context, is the best yeah. thing ever. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. What kind of final message do we want to leave for the good folks here, especially confronted like as we are with? Well, I liked your idea of how to start world. conversations. Let's. Yeah, I want to hear do that. Do this? Well, I, I want to tell you a story. Actually, I was listening to your guys' podcast this morning because I wanted to, you know, get a sense of you guys and. What's the feel? It was your theology of the body one you just did. I have two sons Mm, that I take to school. I have eight kids. Um, Most of them are getting older, but I have a nine and 10 year old boy and my 10 year old, his name is Fulton. And I could tell both of them, you know, you guys were talking about, I mean, basically sex in a theological way and their, Mm -hmm. their ears were kind of perking up and Fulton got in the car and he's like, asking me about questions about he's like so you're gonna be on this podcast because i was telling him about it and i don't understand why you're be you're gonna be on a religious podcast a catholic podcast he's like because you you're a health person and so i was explaining to him how you can marry the two you know how god asks us to be you know have our bodies as a temple of the holy spirit it was such a great conversation but at the end of it i was explaining to him why when i was younger i would meet women who were pro-abortion and i know you guys have seen this where they're so angry And they're yelling and they're just, it almost seems like demonic in a sense. You know, it's just like this. And knowing how hurt women are, like I know where that's coming from. I didn't understand it when I was young. And I was trying to explain that to Fulton. And I was like, well, why do you think women, you know, act that way? And he's like, mom, because hurt people hurt people. And I was like, Mm. that's exactly it, Fulton. Hurt people hurt people. And it, it breaks my heart to know women have been hurt by so many things, by abortion and by these chemicals that we put in our body, by not being listened to. And this is so true. I mean, like how many women have gone to a doctor and just not felt like they were heard? I can heal so many women just by sitting there. 
I think I had a patient yesterday where I said probably three words and afterwards she thanked me up and down. And I thought to myself, what in the heck did I do? But she said, you listen to me. <laughs> like there is a truth yeah. in all of us that we just want to be heard by other people. And, and women are at the point where they're like, come on, this doesn't seem right anymore. So how do we reach women in these hurt places without making them feel defensive? So, you know, this I know can be uncomfortable when people are like, how do I approach maybe a sister or a good friend who's on birth control? And you know that it's probably not good for them or maybe they're sexually active and and you know that there's a, a better way for their happiness, for their health without turning them off, right? Without looking like, well, you're just the religious person, you know, I'm not going to listen to you. Right. And, you know, a lot of times I'll say, ask, uh, start by asking a question. You know, people can't be offended when you just say, hey, you know, I know you've been talking about how you haven't been feeling well, you've been really tired lately. You know, I, I had heard recently on a podcast about, you know, women who are on hormones sometimes that they can have side effects. And I was just curious, like, have you ever had any experience of being on hormones that you know doesn't make you feel well? Have you ever thought there was a connection? Like just put it as a question and just let them talk, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's an yeah, easy yeah. place to start. The other place I would start is just by giving them a podcast to listen to. And this is why, mm -hmm. you know, my, again, my co-host Jamie Rachi and I, we were really careful. I always call it casting the net. Like Jesus didn't go around yeah. and just talk to people he thought would follow him. He was trying to reach the masses. And how do you do that? You cast the net. And he didn't go around showing himself as a bloody, you know, man on a cross. He went and he loved people and he listened, you know. So we try to bring people into the truth and let them, you know, we call them the hormone genius stories of women. So let's say, again, you have somebody who's on birth control and you're like, gosh, I'd really like them to know it's not good for them. Hey, well, I've got a Hormone Genius podcast, two of them. One's called Five Reasons to Ditch the Pill. And I just did one on the lesser known side effects of hormonal birth control, which that one, you know, I think could literally blow people's minds because, you know, there's a study that just came out. You guys, the testosterone guys would be interested in this that shows that women who are on birth control, they compared them to women not on birth control and they put them on a six week lifting exercise program. And the women on birth control like only made like a gain of 0.3 grams of muscle mass or pounds, whatever it was in. And the women off birth control went up three pounds in muscle mass. So it was like a huge, huge difference. Ooh. So Ooh. our hormones, again, allow yeah. us to grow muscle. And when you suppress them through birth control, which actually you suppress testosterone significantly through birth control, this is why birth control, one of the side effects is low huh. sex drive. You don't make testosterone, it gets sucked up by something called sex binding hormone globulin. We're, we're affecting the body in, in lesser known ways. And when you can like share those with people, they're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know that. And I'm not, I'm not calling you out on anything. I'm not judging you. You get to make the decision in the end. We just want to provide you with the science and the information so that you're empowered again to be the genius of your own hormones. Yeah. And it's amazing to me because for a lot of people, holistic sounds the same thing as organic sounds the same thing as just cover yourself in these essential oils and crunchy you, you know right. everything will go away right but this is not this is data-backed research this is you know science at its best because it's science that covers the whole person right complete and entire and our hormones are such a huge part of what it means to live an embodied reality we are not just souls floating around in meat sacks we are our bodies so thank you so much for your work Thank you for coming on this show. Thank you for doing your own podcast so that 
I, I think we can have an army of people who love, you know, the women in their lives sending them episodes of your show in order to get the message out, right? Not just to make sure that everyone thinks the same way that we do about this issue, but to really truly understand and to heal bodies, to heal minds, to heal hearts, to heal relationships. I have friends who almost got divorced because she was on an IUD. One of the side effects was gaining weight, decreased libido, and for her, it was increased irritability. She was angry all the time, and she took it out on her husband, right? And he could not figure out any of this. Stuff. And then she began hating herself because of the weight gain, and it was uncontrollable and all this stuff. And then she just went to her doctor one day, and she was like, I need to be off this. I need to just, you know, whatever. So he took her off and it was trying to get her on different things. And she's like, no, no, I just need to. And she said she felt like someone took a, like a wet blanket off of her brain, off of her heart, off of her emotions. And she could be herself for the first time. Immediately, these repercussions with her husband and their marriage relationship. I mean, radical shift, radical shift. We, she was, and here's the thing. She diet and exercise. But then she began losing weight and gaining muscle mass. It was all the things that you were just talking about. And I think, how many other marriages are like this? How many other people are suffering yeah. without knowing oh, yeah. the truth about our bodies? What else are you involved in that we can uh, get um, our folks Well, yeah, I'm going to be at SEEK. I think you know I mentioned that. So down in St. Louis here, uh, if you're going to be there, anybody, come and say hi to me. I'll be there with the Guiding Star Project. We mentioned that off in the break. Guiding Star Project Holistic Feminism. Leah Jacobson's going to be there with me. We're hoping to get her uh, to do a podcast with us. I'm hoping to be in that little podcast area. Uh, We haven't set that up, but that'd be super fun. And she's got a book called Holistic Feminism, which is really good, that walks through the four kind of waves of feminism, which is, I think, really awesome to understand. And she started the Mm. publishing company that produced my book, The Happy Girl's Guide to Being Whole. So again, that one is available on Amazon. So I just want to make sure You know, we have an age from 16 to 20s on it is kind of the age. But if your kid is pretty, you know, smart and, you know, you could give it to a 13, 14 year old, it's just as kind of high level medical in some ways. So it may be a little over their head, but perfect for a college girl age person or high school. When I bought when I bought your book like four (laughs) minutes ago while you were talking, (laughs) Amazon recommended and it paired. What what was this book again? What was it called? Holistic Feminism. Yeah. Yeah. It was like customers who bought this also bought this and i was like i gotta get this money approved by my wife i'll just buy the one (laughs) i'm just gonna pin a note to my daughter when she turns 12 and like have her ring your doorbell and the note's just gonna say please (laughs) talk to me my dad's freaking out you were on a podcast with us four years ago um my husband dan you know he comes up with all these ways to be able to talk about periods with our we have two daughters but six boys So in our house, it's called the comma. He just, he was like, we'll just. I love it. Yeah. The conversation so never like, ends. Oh, yeah, he sees our daughter. She's acting kind of, you know, whatever, moody, all the things. And he's like, oh, is this the comma? You know? And it kind of just like, it's a little bit of a. Def- yeah, yeah, it totally exactly. cuts through. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, sons, it's going to be a red flag week. What we're going to do is we're going to be extra loving to your sister and uh, go from there. That's awesome. All right. So we got the Guiding Star Project, the Hormone Genius Podcast, the Hormone Genius Mini Course, and the Happy Girl's Guide to Being Whole. These are awesome resources. Everyone, you need to take a deep dive into this stuff. Isn't it funny? For the sake of basic evangelization and for the sake of basic women's healthcare, authentically feminine. So thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real joy. Nice. That's great. God bless everyone. 